beautiful stewards of the land, humanitarians, and solutionists. I want to welcome you all to another episode of A Dose of Positivity, where I have the great privilege and honor to interview changemakers, thought leaders, health professionals, all putting social and environmental justice at the forefront of their endeavors. And today is no uh, different than the rest, except a different guest, and she is amazing. Um, her name is Betsy Sloan, and the topic for our show today is surviving and thriving even during caregiving. So I know some of the people who are listening to the show, you are caregivers, and um, I, I know some of you personally, it's super awesome. And, and really, on some level, all of us are caregivers, as e even to our pets, to every everybody that we know and that we love that we're trying to make uh, feel better. But Betsy has a huge story to share with you, uh, with us all. And I just want to, before we dive into everything, to remind you this is a live broadcast. Please put any of your comments, your questions, your feelings, your emotions that come up for you um, as we're um, going through this uh, live. And then the recording will be up in a few days up on our YouTube channel and also in our uh, podcast stations. So I'm gonna, while people are coming into the room, I'm gonna read two short paragraphs from my book, A Dose of Positivity, Living Like the Future Matters. Um, and this is really, uh, I had the, I wanna say the privilege and the honor, and I know Betsy's gonna get into this, of caregiving my mom. She got breast cancer when I was in fourth grade, and she was 32 years old, and, she passed away when she was 50. And from 32 to 50, those 18 years, I felt uh, a very, I, I didn't know even what the word really caregiver was. I didn't live with my mom that whole time, but um, when I was there, I was, I felt like now I understand what it means to be a caregiver. So, um, but th this, is a, this is a really fun little uh, couple paragraphs. I had um, gone off to college when I was 18 and I was um, going to a very progressive liberal school called Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. And uh, was very uh, like, let's put it this way, you could be bare-breasted and go to class, that's how liberal it was. But not that we did that, but I'm just giving you the context of how liberal the school was and how progressive and forward-thinking it was. So here I am, 18 years old, my mom at different times is literally dying of cancer and then coming out and rising like a phoenix. And I'm 18 years old. Determined to help save my mom's life, I pursued different modalities of healing, homeopathy, herbalism, nutrition. I took yoga classes that integrated visualization and meditation. Being mindful cleared my mind of negative thoughts and helped me to digest the academic download. There were no natural paths in Yellow Springs at the time. It was still not common practice, but there was this old guy named Herman. He was an uncertified holistic health practitioner who became my natural path and my first healing mentor. Herman was a wise old man who lived on an off-grid hippie community. The colorful back-to-the-land characters in this commune grew out of their food, uh, grew most, grew, sorry, grew most of their food. They made their own clothes and they crafted their own herbal remedies. Her, Herman made me aware that knowledge fertilizes the mind to think and to form our beliefs. He turned me on to several herbal remedies, which I experimented on myself and on my classmates. Convinced by the results, I shared those alternative approaches with my mother. I'd bring home a bevy of cancer-finding herbs and tinctures, meditation techniques, and yoga asana poses. My mom lived an additional 18 years after her diagnosis. In my heart, I know my love and efforts helped extend her life. Whew. 
you guys, even now today reading that, you guys can see the tears in my eyes and the conviction um, that um, what it felt like being a, a caregiver at, at, at such, a, at such a young age. And I'm super excited to um, share with you today's guests, Betsy, who just more recently has gone through this. Um, she happens to be Betsy Sloan, and you guys, you can wave Betsy to everyone. She happens to be a retired LPN and a preschool teacher's aide. Um, big, big heart. She's an advocate of early onset of Alzheimer's caregiving, and she started on Passionate World Talk Radio as a weekly speaker on Jeannie M. White's caregiving series. She's also the host of Chatting with Betsy, and you'll get to chat with her today. I hope you guys will come out and chat with her. Um, she interviews po she. She interviews, posts, and presents caregivers, authors, and various guests on her show. She's also the creator and the founder of Kick at Alzheimer's Movement, which is on the face her Facebook, and we'll be posting her link in the chat. Her vision and mission is to help caregivers by educating, inspiring, and letting them know that they can be advocates and rather than victims, right? To learn more about her, you will see in the chat and we'll also have it posted in the replay so you can um, find out all you uh, wanna know and ask questions to her. And if she can't answer them, she is so connected in the world of caregiving, she will be able to help all of us. And I know with so many coming out of the whole COVID thing with long COVID and all the kinds of ailments and things that have come out of even with the vaccines, um, we are, um, we're all caregivers and we're also all caregivers for the Pachamama. But without further ado, Betsy, I just want to welcome you to A Dose of Positivity. Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy day and being with us. And I would love for you to share more about your journey and how, um, how, how did you survive and thrive during caregiving? But before that, let's hear a little bit about your beautiful husband, Matt, and, and tell us some history about about that that brings us to how you survived and thrived during caregiving. Oh, thank you, Donna. Thanks for having me on your show. Welcome, everybody. You can ask me whatever you like. No question is, um, no question. People are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid, oh, that might be a stupid question. There are no stupid questions. Ask your question. All questions are important. If it's important to you, it's important to me. All questions are important. And um, thank you, Donna. I, I got almost proclaimed you talking about your mom, the chapter of your book that is so beautiful that I, I almost started to cry <laughs> uh, myself. Just going back and thinking about Matt. I'm going to show a picture of Matt. Can everyone see that? You see him? There he is. You can see him on their Facebook page too. He's beautiful. Um, my husband, Matt, was uh, 56 when he was diagnosed in the prime of life. He was healthy otherwise. And getting that diagnosis was like, wow. I couldn't believe it. Although I had intuition when his mom was alive, because his mom had Alzheimer's and I took care of her. I remember saying to Matt, Matt, I believe you're gonna get this young, but I didn't know you could get it in your 50s. Actually, you could get it at any age. And I was so disgusted and disappointed in the medical community, how we were treated. And so unacceptable on, on many levels from the beginning of his diagnosis to the end of his life i had to advocate for him and i can't impress enough for everyone listening you need to educate yourself about whatever your loved one's diagnosis is knowledge is power you have to be knowledgeable it makes your life easier and makes your loved one's life easier unfortunately 12 no, 10 years ago, there wasn't the information that there is now. In 2010, there wasn't the information that is available now. 
And the doctors didn't believe that he had uh, early onset because he was too young, but he did. His company doctor suspected that he had Alzheimer's because they saw at work that he was forgetting how to do his job. And I was seeing things at home. And just um, Matt's journey, I might get emotional, <laughs> I can't help it, um, changed my life. Mm-hmm. For the better, Donna, and yeah. uh, all, all the listeners, you know we get a a challenge, right? It's a mindset. Am I going to make it through, or am I not? Am I going to be a victim, or am I going to be a victor? Am I going to be victorious? Mm, beautiful. And you know what? I was not a perfect caregiver. I'm not perfect. I was in a dark hole. I went for counseling. I even had, I don't know why, I was stuck on thinking about the railroad tracks at work. How do they feel? Not that I would have taken my life, I wouldn't have. But I don't know why I thought that. I didn't want to face what was coming down the pike. I said, Betsy, I talked to myself. I said, Betsy, you gotta pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And you cannot let Alzheimer's destroy you. It has. It's going to take Matt away, but do not let it destroy you. And a year later, I created and founded hashtag kick Alzheimer's ass movement because either I was going to kick its ass or it was going to kick mine. (laughs) And I wasn't going to let it kick my ass. And people said, well, Betsy, it's a disease. So how can you kick its ass? I'll tell you how. And enjoy your life. Live your life take your loved one out, do outings, do whatever you can for as long as you can. Well, you can still enjoy it while your loved one can still enjoy coming out. Celebrate holidays, birthdays, celebrate everything and anything. Doesn't matter that they don't remember. Matt didn't remember. I celebrate it anyway. If they're in a facility and you can, bring the party to them. Um, Learning how to adjust. I learned, Donna, a new appreciation of life to really, I know it sounds cliche, but to really live in the moment because that's what we have. And to realize you, we all have the power to choose. We have the power to choose to survive and thrive. I never thought, (laughs) I could laugh now, (laughs) but I never thought I would go in my car, do a video. I'm very shy, actually, in person. (laughs) Very shy, very self-conscious of myself. And for me to go in my car and do a video, people say that was brave, but it it wasn't me being brave. It was me being angry and using my anger and turning it into a passion. Yeah. I couldn't let my anger destroy me. And I would show Matt's picture. And I would say, this is early onset. And I would dispel the myth, try to. And I would talk about caregiving. I never thought anyone would listen to me. And I was shocked. I was shocked that people were listening to me because then I would submit my videos to the different support groups that I belong to. And I remember telling Matt uh, in 2017, I said, Matt, I can't promise you that about placing you, about not placing you, can't make that promise. But I do promise, I'm gonna share your story to the world. <laughs> and he would say, <laughs> get emotional. He would say, don't talk about me. <laughs> don't talk about me, booby, call me booby. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, a year later, I met Jeannie White. She saw one of my videos. This is like, what a story. You talk about karma. Jeannie White told me she put on her computer that she never does at night. And up I came. I was there. She didn't touch anything. She saw my video. She contacted me for me to do an, uh, an interview on her show. Asked me to speak weekly, which I was shocked. Then like 13, 14 months later, she said, Betsy, you should have your own show. I was like, I can't interview people. I don't know how to do that. And she said, you'll learn. (laughs) Well, here I am 
my going into this will be my my third you know, I just celebrated my third year and I never expected to be where I I am today um, if anyone would have told me I would be a support group leader I would be talking to people and even being a guest on people's shows I would say there's no way no yeah. way would I do that but you know what I've learned to um, do a lot of inner work this year. This year has been a lot of inner healing. I flipped my script. I flipped the story. And I know what my worth is. I know I have a voice and I have gifts that I want to give to the world. A voice that I want to help people. And that's my mission. That's my vision, Donna, and everyone who's listening. Yes, I love this. You you are, I mean, I like this flipping flipping the switch at any age. And I, I would love for you to share what what it took you to flip that switch and and let's look at the before and the after. Cause you you since I talked to you when I first talked to you, you're you're on fire even you were on fire then, but now you're just a blaze of, of love and I just feel so much radiating out, of, radiating out of you right now. So what what flipped that switch for you and, and how are you using that energy um, to propel you? You know what? I am truly blessed and so grateful. Um, it started almost five years ago. I went to a, a women's conference it was called a Shadow Women's Conference with Erin uh, Lay. And I heard women inspiring me from their stories. And then I took a course of um, doing inner work. But this year, really, the guest I've had on my show, and I believe Matt sent them to me, was flipping that switch even more, working on getting rid of the... Um, old narratives, letting go of that resentment, uh, that hostility. You know what? When we carry around guilt, resentment, hostility, we're poisoning ourselves. Yeah. And when we let that go, I'm telling you, you are freer. I'm freer. I feel more, more positive energy. It's You could be able to tell me they could hear it. They could hear the difference and yeah. how I'm talking. And we can we have the power we have a choice to be better people to improve ourselves we're all works in progress right donna um every one of them until the day we die we are works in progress and at i'll be 65 in december and i have never felt better about myself i grew up in emotionally abusive home i was the family scapegoat i was blamed for everything and I had to flip that. I had to let go of a lot of stuff. And I did. And I am so much better, freer. I feel just lighter. And if I could change at the age of 64, I'm going on 65, it's never too late, folks. It's never too late to say, I'm taking back my power. Don't give your power away. Claim it. Yes. Claim your power. I love it. You know, speaking of claiming your power, and I wanted to just touch back on what you were talking about very early in the conversation about having to be an advocate. Um, and, you know, that certainly built your character, but you were talking about um, how, how the medical system was, was jacking you around, basically. And I would love to hear, yeah. um, I think people, uh, uh, our listeners would love to know, like, you know, where do you, where does that come from and how, how did you do it? Because you made huge strides. Um, yes, uh, the, it's, uh, wow, I, you know, I, I, it baffles my mind when I think about it. And that's primary doctor. I told him, actually Matt was in the hospital in December of 09, and I said, Matt's having memory problems. He blew me off. No, he's not. He just blew me off. I knew he was having memory problems. His first MRI, 
showed global abnormal shrinkage. His brain waves was abnormal, said suggestive of dementia. I didn't know everything when Matt went to the neuropsychologist to get tested because of the HIPAA laws. They weren't allowed to tell me anything uh, where he worked. I only knew very little. And Matt uh, was tested. And when we got the report back, the neuropsychologist said Matt was uncooperative and he possibly couldn't be that bad. So I said to Matt, how come you were uncooperative? So I told him to be cooperative. He said I was cooperative. And you know, I didn't know back then what I know now, Donna. Why, I don't understand. I've heard this over and over again in different groups. Why do doctors want to blame the patient? They need to listen to us. And Matt was misdiagnosed, as most people are in the beginning of um, their uh, dementia, whatever it is. Matt was misdiagnosed with depression. That didn't help, the antidepressants. Hmm. And then when Matt asked what time it was, he didn't know how to read his watch, the time, I went back to the doctor and I said, this is no longer depression. He has Alzheimer's. Get him on the medication. And, uh, you know, that was a, a battle. Hmm. Getting um, hospice, that was a nightmare because I had the home hospice from hell. Getting them to believe me that the medication wasn't working, that um, he was dying. I knew Matt was dying. I'm also an empath and I have intuition and I knew he was dying. Yeah. And they didn't believe me. The home hospice nurse said, no, he's not dying. He's walking, talking and eating. I said, think outside your box. Think outside the textbook because I'm telling you he's dying. Two weeks later, he was dead. So go with your gut instinct. You have to follow your intuition and your gut instinct. Don't be afraid to go to other doctors. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I wish I knew back then what I know now. I would have hired someone to help me navigate the hospice system. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> so when when this was all happening how are you taking care of yourself because i know also and maybe we can just talk about this a little bit you also have a son who's a special special needs and he's like 30 right but he ended 30. up at 38 how old mm -hmm. yeah 38 mm -hmm. 38 yeah and he's special needs but how, how i mean you had you were taking care tell us what you did for yourself during all this, because you're 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 battling the doctors, you're battling hospice, you're seeing this beautiful soul who you love with all your heart, married for since you were almost kids, and 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 so how how did you how did you deal with your own emotions and physical well -being? I it, it was it was difficult because you try to find that balance. You know, I also was working and I felt guilty when I would take time for myself, but it's something that you have to do. Yeah. Um, taking care of your soul, your mental health, physical health, spiritual, it's very important. And I, I, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm a little rough around the edges, Donna. Yeah, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> if you're a caregiver, self-care is literally a matter of life and death your life your death if you want to enjoy life during caregiving and after and you have every right to do that you need to take care of yourself and i know it's difficult i would go in the bathtub listen to john denver i would uh meditate i would uh go out for a little while by myself and just recharge my batteries uh, is what I had to do. Take naps when I could. And uh, my I had my group to focus on. I had my show to focus on. And I have to say that because um, I'm a believer, I believe that God gave me the strength and the grace to to carry on. 
Um, and I'm very grateful that I'm really, I made it through healthy and I came out a better person. Yeah. Um, I thanked Matt for his journey when he was dying. It's because of his journey, I am a better person. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I know everybody who's um, on live or, or listening to the replay, um, I hope, I don't know for sure, but I, I hope you're really feeling it. Like I can just feel, feel your energy. I feel, feel your emotion around this. I mean, it's so not an easy subject to talk about when we're talking about literally life and death. And then afterlife, one of the things that I would love for you to talk about when we, when you and I talked back a few months to when we decided to do this interview, you were telling me about all the things how you keep your loved one alive. Um, can you share with our listeners all the beautiful things that you do to make it? Because, I mean, you lost the love of your life and you're, he's not, but but you haven't. And, and I would really like you to, to talk about that right now. You want me to talk about after caregiving? Like how I'm doing? Yeah, but how also how you honor honor him and keep him alive and celebrate his birthday all yes. the celebrations you do yes um people might think i'm a little kooky <laughs> that's okay i don't i love you <laughs> i feel that matt's still with me i really do i've gotten signs from him from matt um beautiful signs i honor matt's birthday i buy a birthday cake josh and i uh josh is my son we sing to, to Matt, happy birthday. We go out on Father's Day. We celebrate my anniversary. We go out on my anniversary. Um, one of the things that Josh had asked me before his dad died was, are you still gonna celebrate Father's Day? I know how important that is for Josh. I said, of course, we'll always celebrate your father. As long as I'm breathing and walking and talking, yes. And I still celebrate every uh, occasion. And why not? You know, I could, I mean, that'd be a whole nother show is grieving, but people don't know how to handle grieving. They're uncomfortable if you mention your loved one's name. I will always talk about my husband. I will always honor his memory. Matt is the catalyst and inspiration of why I do what I do. He was my inspiration to get my car. How do you not talk about your loved one? I'm gonna keep talking about him. And of course, I don't care what people think anymore, Donna. So I just uh, <laughs> do my thing. And I, I show that we're celebrating. Um, when Matt was, um, no matter what stage he was in, we always went out and celebrated. Our last anniversary, uh, I was married 39 years when Matt died. I took the party home uh, we celebrated and my last birthday together uh, we celebrated and you know I, I feel I just feel Matt with me uh, one person said to me Betsy you don't talk about Matt in the past tense you talk like he's still here and I said he is to me he is here I can still smell him and um, the signs that I've gotten are incredible. Ah, so beautiful. And I know I I, I I would like to share too on, on you know, like my mom and my dad, you know, my, my mom's with me all the time. Um, so is my father. Anytime I want to call him in. And it's really cool because um, one of the last things my mom ever said to me is I, I asked her what, what she was going to um, do when she came back in her next life and she was like months from passing and um she put her glasses down on her nose and she looked at me like just like this and she knew i had just started my my business in alaska and i was really successful it for the business was really successful just out of the out of the box and she looked at me like this and for she waited a long time to say it and then she said, Donna, I want to come back as a successful businesswoman. Yes, that's what I want to do. 
So, lo and behold, what did I do? So my mom lives vicariously through me each and every day. And I became a successful businesswoman with her wings on my collar. And we just, um, it's so cool. And I, I just, you know, I, I feel i feel like there's so much could be different in, in when we're living, when we accept that, you know, and everybody has their own belief system. But I, I liked what you said earlier, you believe, right? It's what we want to believe in is how we can believe our life is going to be and what's going to, how we're going to live after something like, I, I like even just, here's something really interesting I wanted to share and, and Betsy, then I have several more questions for you. And anybody right now, this is a good time if you want to um, put something, a question or anything in the chat that you'd like us to discuss um, further, I would, we would just greatly appreciate that. But, um, you know, I just feel so, so, uh, blessed that just even being able to have have a conversation um, where we have the freedom to be able to express something as sensitive as this and for you know hopefully like just because you believe a certain way when you came onto this call like oh once you're dead you're dead Oh, they're gone. They're gone. I'm going to be miserable or whatever. We we can change. Just like Betsy said it early on, she she, she just switched a a, a a switch, and she decided not to be a victim but to be victorious. And we can accept that, like someone like myself, like who didn't know I believed maybe so much in whatever I believe. But when when you believe that, like like Betsy and myself, like, you know, my mom and my dad and, and other, and my dogs live, my old dogs live in my new dogs. I mean, it's just such a different experience to be alive. When you realize that life is just energy and it just continues on and where we are right now in our present body, mind and spirit and how we want to approach this is really really important and when you're in the midst of it and you're a caregiver and that's really what I want to really have you dive into right now Betsy because when you're the, in the caregiving stage of it and the your loved one is alive and, and maybe they're suffering um, and I love a quote you have on, on your web on your on your Facebook group it says Alzheimer's robs your brain not your heart and that goes with any disease it may rob you of something, but our hearts are still there. And when we can be a caregiver and help bring out that heart in, in the people we're caring for, it just opens our hearts, right? So I would love for you to just give us all some important lessons and things that we can do, because we're all going to end up being in that position, right? either mm -hmm. caregiving or being cared for. So what are some of the most, the most invaluable tips that you can leave us with for making the world a, a better place while we're experiencing and they're in the midst of all of this caregiving? Sure, uh, that's a great question. Donna, I, I, before I, I answer that, I, I feel led to say something. One of the signs Matt gave me I saw a beautiful yellow arch with flowers imprinted. It was gorgeous. And yellow means that they're happy, they're joyful. I had to share that uh, because it was gorgeous. I never saw it again, but it was beautiful. And you know what I, I learned, Donna, was really living in the moment because that's all that we have. You know, as a caregiver, I, it took me a long time to get this. I was worried about how will I be when Matt's dying? How am I going to handle that? How am I going to handle this stage, that stage? How am I going to handle it after Matt dies? Don't worry about that. Live, I always say, live in the now, but plan for the future. Um, enjoy your, your loved one. Don't stress yourself out because they get that energy. They feed off of our energy. 
when I was stressed, then Matt would, he would be stressed. I learned, a, and Josh learned, a deep, unconditional love. When you do for someone, and they can't do for you, and they can no longer speak, like when they're dying, they can't speak anymore, they know your love, and we know their love. I. I believe that. Yes, dementia can rot the brain. It doesn't rot the heart. And hearing, hearing is the last sense to go. Keep talking to your loved one when they're dying. Hold them, talk to them, play music. Um, Just, I, I know it's cliche, but really be present in the moment. Put your phone down. You'll have time for your phone. Be with your loved one. And even if they're not sick, Shouldn't we be that way anyway, fully present, fully aware with the people that we're with? And uh, what what gifts can we give someone but our love and our time and attention? That's what people want. That's what our loved ones want. Took me a long time to realize that. I learned a lot along the way. Uh, Made a a lot of mistakes. Um, Caregivers always feel guilty about something. I call it unjustified guilt. Let it go. It's an energy drainer. I learned that it will hold you down. It will poison you. Let it go. And if you hurt someone by on purpose, then forgive yourself and ask that person for forgiveness. Or if you can't, at least forgive yourself. You know, no matter what we do with this disease, the harsh reality is they're going to die. That's the reality of um, Alzheimer's or any dementia. And let's make our life and their lives the best that we can. Uh, No, you're not gonna be perfect. Yes, you're gonna have bad days. Yes, you're gonna snap. It's okay. Show yourself love, compassion, and grace. What you show to your loved one, show that to yourself. Mm. (laughs) Excuse me. You know, life after caregiving, It's not the same uh, without Matt, but I am moving forward. I'm living my life. Um, Really have a new appreciation for life. My brother died in 2021. He was 67. That really took me for a loop. Uh, You know, life is short, folks. Very short. Enjoy it. Don't let people tell you what you can and cannot do. Don't worry about what others think. And that's the same thing with caregiving. I hear a lot. Well, my son or daughter won't allow me to do this, do that. Are they taking care of their father? No. So they're not going to be part of the solution. Then tell them, be quiet. Um, <laughs> that's my that's my Jersey girl. I would there be you like, you don't like how I'm taking care of your father. I'll have him packed up and at your house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and be um educate yourself it's very important um to educate yourself to know what to expect with your loved one's diagnosis so that you are equipped to handle it with my mother-in-law i did not know about alzheimer's i didn't know about hallucinations with matt i was seasoned i knew what to do knowledge is power makes a big difference excuse me <laughs> Hope that answered your question. Did that answer? No, that's good. I man, I love when you get all fiery up like that. Man, it's so good. <laughs> Got your little Jersey boxing gloves on. But and, you know what? And being an advocate doesn't mean you're mean or or whatever. It means like I like what you just said. It means you're you're educated. You know you 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 like being an advocate for your child who who's got dyslexia or who's who's a slow learner in one area and is gifted in another area it's you can make or break a child's self-esteem for the rest of their lives if you don't advocate or if you do advocate for your child so it's it's throughout all of life and 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 just a beautiful just the word advocate i'd like to start using that more being an advocate for our pets you know and especially being an advocate for someone who can't be an advocate for themselves. You know, someone's in such a stage that you're having to make decisions for them um, in, in, in your that guilt, right? So I would love for you to just share real 
real briefly just about the, the, the guilt around that like what what were what did you do how did you overcome that i mean i mean the jewish guilt for me anyway um i i know like <laughs> never do enough whatever but how, how did you how did you deal with how do you deal with that i had jewish guilt too that's your superpower huh jewish guilt that's, i think <laughs> it's ingrained in us donna uh, so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, like I felt so guilty that I picked out the wrong hospice for Matt that I cried every day for a year asking Matt to forgive me because I felt so guilty. I had an epiphany. It was the one year anniversary of Matt's passing, and I felt him say to me, Betsy, I am not suffering. I am not thinking of suffering. You need to drop the guilt and go fly and do what you're supposed to do and not waste energy on asking me to forgive you. Mm. And I, I let go of the guilt. I just felt that from him. And I haven't cried about feeling guilty since. I mean, I, I cry at times because I miss Matt, but I no longer feel guilty about I love that. It. That's good, but you know, it is a whole year of guilt. That's whew. yeah. So we want to we want everybody who's listening to this to realize that it's not necessary to do that. It's not your fault, first of all, right? I mean, right. It, it's a system that is 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 goes corrupted from this from the soil to our souls. Meaning, the the way they're feeding us. Uh, the foods that we're eating, the way the, the, the environmental toxins, everything that we I write about, we talk about on, on past shows, which, um, you know, we need to take control of what we put in and on our bodies, um, the thoughts that we, we put in our mind. It's so important. Uh, being a sheeple people makes you sick. And we have enough sick people out there. Being an advocate for ourselves is equally as important. So if anybody is feeling any certain way or like having any kind of health issues, I mean, Google and listen to, I, I, I listen to at least 20 different people uh, if, I, if I'm having a symptom of any kind. And they're usually all holistic doctors and some of them are MDs as well. And you hear it enough times and you can make your own choices, stand up for your own rights, be an advocate for your own health, not a victim, be victorious. I love that. I'm gonna use that, Betsy. I think that's just such a, a good way to get through everything from the living to the dying to the afterlife. We could be an advocate all along through all of those ways, all of those pathways. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, you know, Don, I wanted to say, you have to be, you know, don't be like me, but you have to be firm. You have to let people know that you mean business. And yeah. we don't speak up when there's an injustice. Things won't change. Oh, I spoke up. They thought they were dealing with a meek, quiet housewife. <laughs> they yeah. soon found out who they were dealing with. You do not respect my family. You do not disrespect me and get away with it. I learned to set boundaries. So when that nasty social worker came to my house and accused me of not giving Matt the medicine correctly, I let her have it nicely. Mm -hmm. I told her exactly how I felt. I told her exactly how I felt in the hospital. And I told her, you know, you need to listen to the caregivers. We know our loved ones better than you. If someone says they're in pain, you better believe that they're in pain. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I caused a tsunami in that place. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have to, I caused a tsunami um, the day that my mom died too in the hospital. I, I had to, I, I was like, it was July 4th weekend and it, I, I don't even want to tell you that story, guys. Uh, but it what it, it, it I I definitely lost it. I, I I did New Jersey and New York all at the same time, but it worked. I got my mom the morphine, and I helped her through to the very end. And it was uh, graceful at the end. But it, it was it was a, a lot for a 27 year old 
young woman to do and my dad and my brothers were not around and I had to make all these decisions and it freaking freaked me out but you know what it freaked me out more afterwards than when I was going through it because something takes over you you know when you see like you say your loved one going through this man there there was no way my mom was going to be in pain for one more second no way man i'm just getting goosebumps and getting riled up just thinking about it man i i had i had the whole floor you know just trying to calm me down and you want me to calm down you get my mom out of pain and that's what it takes sometimes and it worked and i'm really i never had any regrets for my behavior ever it was the right thing to do so um wow you know it feels really good to tell you guys that i don't think i've told many people that story and here i am um streaming this and feeling like yeah it was one of my proudest moments um seeing my mom go to the other side and not feel unnecessary pain. So, um, well, gosh, this has just been a, an, an incredible conversation. And I would love to ask you to just share right now towards, because we're coming towards the end and I don't see any burning questions or people having any uh, things that I think people are waiting for us to go off because after we do these, we go um, off the live and then people feel free to come in, um, ask Betsy or myself any questions. But it does, it feels really good to talk about this stuff. And I think that a lot of times people don't feel like they can talk about it, how they're really, really feeling about uh, the, the, the situations, let alone telling off a, a, a social worker. And, and I, I suggest everybody have some really good close friends, relatives, even if it's just one person where you can feel like you can laugh and cry, like Joni Mitchell says, it's the same release, and express yourself, especially if you're a caregiver for a long period, extended period of time, it's very taxing on, a, on, on your body and your, and your mind and your spirit. And I know people who have just poured their love into their gardens or um, other things that um, people who have told me getting through really challenging times like this one woman went skydiving I don't recommend it but um, she wanted to feel like it was like um, like being up in heaven and so she wanted to jump out of a, a plane I, I don't recommend that if a lot of fossil fuels in that but whatever whatever it takes you to allow yourself to get in touch with that what are what you need to do to express yourself or feel closer to who you are in this time and release and let yourself go. So tell, tell us some, some things that, that you, I know you, you had said, Betsy, you went out and, and you took long walks and you, you spoke your mind, but like what, what made you get out of bed every day? Like what was your driving force while you were going through, through this? What was the driving force that got you out of bed? Um, when I was caregiving? Yes. Um, I had no choice. I had to get out of bed to go to work. I had Matt to take care of. I had Josh to take care of. Uh, I had responsibilities. And I really didn't have a choice but to go uh, out of bed and I'm really grateful I worked with children because they were the best therapy for me. Mm -hmm. I had a smile. Um, they're so sweet and loving. You know, they would always hang on me. <laughs> they um, they loved Miss Betsy. They wanted me to go home with them. Uh, they were really um, helpful in me wanting to put a smile on my face. It wasn't easy all the time, but I just was not going to let this disease defeat me, uh, as I said earlier, because then I let Alzheimer's win. And even in grieving, Donna, uh, everyone grieves differently. I wasn't going to let Alzheimer's defeat me in death. Um, yeah, I could sit here in a puddle and feel sorry for myself, but that wouldn't do me any good or anyone else. There's so many people that need help. There's so many caregivers and other people who need help. And uh, my show is a great uh, resource for people. And my mission, my vision is, is what drives me now is to help other people. 
And there's a big struggle out there, folks. So, so many people are struggling uh, with mental health issues and uh, just different battles. It's like, why can't we hold space for each other? And one thing that drove me crazy, Donna, is when people would say to Josh and I to be strong. We're watching our loved one die. Why do you have to be strong? And I tell you folks, I think it's a crock of crap, okay? <laughs> you don't have to be strong. Why can't we cry? We're human beings. Why can't we hold space for each other? And even if you don't know what to say, how about saying, you know what? I'm here for you. I'm here to hold space for you. You can cry, you can vent, whatever. I'm here for you. I mean, I know what to say, but know that I love you and I care about you. That's what we could do. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really, really appreciate that. Mm. And I know everybody who's listening to that because, <clears throat> you know, yeah. It's just a shield of armor that we don't need to be carrying around. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful you, you just said that. That's all I have to say. It's just sit, sitting with me right now because I know even with myself, I, I do that, you know. And uh, put on a sappy muse, movie and make that makes you want to cry and then just let the waterfalls keep going and experience the grief. One, one of the things that I wanted to share with everybody before we, we take off and Betsy, before you give any final stuff that you want to say is um, something that I have learned to do to help me um, with the grieving process of moving forward is I, I do this thing, I, I do pre-grieving. Uh, I really love my animals and I know it's such a shame my dogs they only live 12, 15 years, you know, and I have one that is so the spirit of everybody I ever loved is in this dog named Chester, and he's looking at me right there, got you, baby. But um, I, I, I probably, I would say maybe every month or every other month, I have a good cry, and I realized you're nine years old or you're whatever, you're old, and, 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 um, I just want to feel what it feels like for you not to be here physically so I can know what it feels like to have you still here with me. So I do a lot of pre-grieving um, around that. Um, I've even done it um, around my husband who I love. Like I don't want to say more than my dog. <laughs> but it's a whole different thing, right? It's just, just, just imagining that just to... To, to just imagine like and and he'll probably live longer than me but um it's it just just people that i'm very very close to um that pre-grieving it there, there's something about it uh that i i it prepare preparing us because it's part of life we're all gonna die it's just who dies first so so just if, if we let it out a little bit you know like we just let it out a little bit at a time then at the end it won't be so so hard because we've already experienced and we've already experienced the spirit coming through and i think that has really been a very important thing for me and i hope if that anybody out there who is struggling with any kind of a long-term grieving or grieving in any kind of way to, I suggest you try that. Just just give it a try. Um, see what it feels like to pre-grieve. And um, since I've shared this with a few people, apparently there uh, there's a thing out there and I, I don't have the link. I'll try and put it in on the replay. Um, but there are people out there who, uh, and psychiatrists and psychologists, and now that are starting to talk more more about this. But I was doing it before I I, I knew it was a thing. So, um, and it's really I think is really helping me to be a better person each and every day, and appreciating my dog, my loved ones more all the time because I allow myself to go there. And then when I come out of that space, it's like. I have so much more love and I have so much more like, wow, you're here. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I, I just uh, wanted to share that before we went out. And, and Betsy, listen, our hour is almost up. And I just want to, before we go, I just want to let everybody who's listening right now, because I really would like for you to give some closing words, but just a little uh, housekeeping. The replay will be up on our YouTube channel and it will be up on the uh, podcast station. And Meredith, I'll have you put that in the, in the chat. And um, we really appreciate your love and your comments. And uh, I, I just wanted to uh, also let everybody know that uh, next week we, we are having another uh, fat, fantastic guest. His name is Jay Sable, and he'll be diving deep into the topic of, of creating global sustainability with self-replicating uh, sustainable eco-communities. And interesting enough, um, th this is going to be a fabulous show, um, but he, he is, he's just an, an incredible global, big-minded thinker. We'll be completely talking about a different topic, but it's all about this global sustainability, life, death, all of this. It, you'll see how beautiful it's all going to tie into this very conversation about living in community, to avoid things or address things like Alzheimer's or any kind of disease, cancer, heart disease. When you're living in community, in an eco-community like this, you can witness and you, you become more, it's a caregiver's uh, um, emporium, per se, by building community. So while we're going through the, the, this, this process, having people like Betsy was sharing, like having people around you that you can express yourself and talk to and having uh, a community around, around you is so important. And the other thing that I really want to share with you guys is in the chat, um, we are starting a, a new membership um, where we are, are going to be teaching uh, holistic culinary classes to help us uh, get and stay healthy and there'll also be guest chefs coming on who are super experienced and also um, myself as a certified uh, health and wellness professional I'll be bringing more of health and uh, professionals on so and conversations like we're having here today we'll also be doing nature therapy and meditation walks um, I urge you all to just check out the link, check out our, our little sales funnel. And we're doing this for a limited time for $15 a month. And it's, it's, the value is unbelievable. You'll be getting eBooks and positivity every day into your inbox, but I don't want to talk about that now. I want to go back to you, Betsy. And then we're going to, um, just that, that's just a little housekeeping. And then also Merit, if you could put in the link to the blog and we'll also put it in the YouTube. I wrote a, a, a blog this week on cognitive um, uh, malfunctioning basically and what the things that we can do. And I hope you'll all check out the blog. It's, it's, it's really good in alignment with everything Betsy's been talking about, what we've been discussing and giving more tips on what we can do to keep our, um, keep this together as much as even just doing puzzles and Sudoku. I mean, there's so many things that we can do, this muscle, this brain that we have, how to keep it so that we don't lose um, what we have and that, not that we can't reverse Alzheimer's, but we certainly can look at things that we can do to help slow it down and, um, and maybe eventually someday eradicate this um, devastating uh, disease. So Betsy, with, with that said, is there any last um, things that you would like to empower our listeners to about living and dying and thereafter um, that you can share with us right now? Yes. Don't let people stop you from grieving. Grieving is messy. And I did a show a couple of years ago called I Don't Need Your Permission to Grieve. You don't need anyone's permission to grieve. Talk about your loved one. Don't worry if people like it or, or, or they don't like it. I mean, who cares if, whether they like it or not. Um, and go into your feelings. Validate your feelings, how you feel. Because the old saying, what you uh, resist persists. So the more I say, I don't want to feel sad, the more sad I felt. So now when I feel sad, I acknowledge it and I go on. Validate your feelings. Sometimes we don't want to validate and we... We are busy. It's good to be busy, 
but not when you're busy to avoid your feelings. Don't run away from your feelings, face it. We had to sit through our pain. We had to sit still and just go through that painful process. And you can't come out the other side. You have the strength in you. Call on it and harness it. You can survive and thrive during caregiving. If I did it, you could do it. You had the power. Thank you, Donna. Ah, goosebumps. That was so beautiful. I just want to thank you so much, Betsy Sloan, for all you're doing. Everybody grab her, the chat there, um, download the chat. All of her links are in there. Betsy, thank you so, so much. This was a real honor and a privilege. And I am, I'm just incredibly grateful for your time, your love, and your encouraging and inspiring all of us to be who we're meant to be at any given time. And I thank you all who are listening live and all of you for the replay. Go out and make it the best day and feel, feel, and express how you feel with love and compassion and you will never have a bad day. Big, big love and aloha.